Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome to a New York Catholic Conversation. My name is Deacon John Catalano, and I am joined as always by my friend, the legendary basketball player from St. John's University, Frank Alasia. Frank, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Deacon. How's everything? Everything is good. And our topic for conversation today is discipleship. Now, we know a disciple is one who is a pupil, an adherent, a follower of another. And discipleship is, of course, essential for all Christians. It's what we are all called to do. So start us off, Frank. What does it mean to be a disciple? Well, I think there was a great reflection in uh, Magnificat this week, and it said to be a disciple means to follow the master. He ascended the hill of the cross and transformed it into a seat of glory, a holy place. Risen, he invites us to leave behind all worthless desires and in holiness follow him. I mean, are we willing to take up, take up our cross and follow him? You know, do we love God or do we love what God can give us? You know, that what is expected of the first disciples was to lay down their lives for one another, right? That's why it's important to make the distinction between a believer and a disciple. A believer isn't necessarily a disciple because discipleship requires action. You know, believing is like an abstract thing, right? It's a function of the mind. You know, whose life are you changing because of who you are or what you do? What kind of example are we to others? You know, whether you realize it or not, someone's always watching. And once again, I use a basketball analogy. The grammar school player is watching the high school player. The high school player is watching the college player. So, you know, and, and even at the 630 mass, you know, the reverence I see is really inspiring to me. I mean, the 20 or 30 people who go, we don't know. So we know each other, you know, by going to mass, but we all know what we're coming for. Yeah. And, you know, I think in this regard, uh, there's a parable that helps us. Uh, in Matthew, Jesus gives us the challenging parable of the talents. Remember that one where the man goes on a journey, but before he leaves, he entrusts his money to three of his servants. To one, he gives five talents, to a second, two, and to a third, one. And the first man trades with the five talents, and the second one does the same, and they both receive a rich return on their investment. The third man cautiously buries his talent. And when the owner returns, he praises the first two servants and gives them greater responsibilities. But the third man, he reproaches, he scolds him, he upbraids him. And I know Father Sebastian Walsh, in his book, Secrets from Heaven, he's got a few reflections on this, which help us. He says, the third man buries his talent in the ground. And the ground signifies the earthly part of human nature, which seeks its own good rather than the good of his neighbor. So to dig a hole in the ground and bury the masses' money is to succumb to fear. It signifies choosing to follow earthly desires, and the spiritual gifts are wasted, not used to benefit anyone else. The man, this man's not evil, but he's afraid. Yeah, we learn a lot from the parable, and and you know some other things. The the second point is that no one loses with God because God does not permit those who try to serve Him uh, in in doing spiritual good. Right. Secondly. God does not distribute his gifts equally, right? He values each one of us distinctly. We're not like cookie cutouts. Um, but, you know, we're expected to do the best we can 
with what we've been given. You know, the chances of having the graces of a St. Teresa of Avila or a Padre Pio uh, or a Cure of ours aren't great, but we're expected to do what we can with what we have. And then lastly, he says in that parable, the master returns after a long time. The long time signifies a lifetime. He gives us a long time to change our ways. He's always doing that. He does the same thing in a parable of the wheat and the tares. And the servant says, should I cut these tares down? He says, no, let them grow. Let them grow. And then we'll cut them down because they may turn into wheat. God is a God of second chances. Once again, giving us time to change our sinful ways. Yeah. And it's not about just doing good when you feel like it. I mean, that's not right. taking up the cross. Yeah. I mean, look, look at people who that do good when they don't feel like it. I mean, think about someone in AA who calls their sponsor because they want a drink. And that sponsor may have to get up from being in bed and stay on the phone for two hours, even when dead tired. And lots of folks do that kind of thing. Look, we've all been given talents and they're God given. They come in the form of time and talent and treasures. And some have the capability and time to help others. Some use those things to give encouragement to people where needed. And some people can help financially to support the church or help the poor. But we can't hide these things for ourselves only and not put them to good use. We must remember that these things come from God and belong to God. Yeah. What, what is keeping you from becoming a true disciple? You know, are you living in it? Are you driving it? Are you wearing it? Do you own it or is, does, does it own you? You know, um, Jesus doesn't preach the prosperity gospel. To be a disciple, we must not be attached to anyone or anything that's not of God. You know, God may or may not bless us with material things, but he may give us a trial to increase our virtue. You know, Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother and father, wife, brothers and sisters, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. Now, if you go back and trace ancient Hebrew, the word hate doesn't mean hate like it like it means today. It means to love less. So our love for Jesus must supersede everything. And remember, holiness begins at this very moment with everything we do. Oh, Frank Elijah using his talents on this podcast, I'll tell you. I mean, everyone has talents, but not everyone uses their talents. And a talent is useless unless it is used. There's no one that has no talents. And so we have to ask ourselves, have we buried our talents or are we using them? And I would just, I would just wrap it up this way. First of all, number one, in discipleship, we're called to do our best with the gifts we've been given. And number two, when we speak to someone about our faith, we should be focused on the spiritual fruit that will be achieved in another person, not in any material ward that we may get. And lastly, we should always try and see God as a generous Lord and that our primary focus must be a beyond doing good with joy, because the Lord God loves a cheerful doer. Right, right. You know, we're all given necessary graces to help us. We just have to ask God for them. And we have to be ready whenever, wherever, and however he needs us. Now, I give you two examples, one of St. Teresa and one secular one. St. Teresa, little flower, did her daily tasks every day, whether we, she was sweeping the floor or washing dishes for the glory of God. And when she did it, one of the one of the nuns who worked with her um, would always splash her when they were drawing, when they were doing the dishes, not on purpose, but it was like an annoying thing. And she offered it up. You know, God sends us trials all day long. You know, how can we handle them better? I think of one, you know, I'm a type A person, as you know, and, you know, you, you go to you go to a drive in cash machine, and you're on the line and the guy in front of you 
It's like he just landed from Mars. He's pressing like 800 buttons. He goes, this guy ever going to like stop pressing buttons? Then the money comes out. He takes it and he counts it. You know, those are opportunities to offer it up, you know. Um, and the, the last thing I'd say is, look, the rent is due every day of your life. One hour a week isn't enough. The objective is life is to act, not rest. Make rest a necessity, not an objective. And St. Paul says it best when he says to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. A disciplined disciple doesn't quit when they're tired. They quit when the job is finished. Nice work. I see you came to play today. Uh, Folks, do not uh, neglect to like us or follow us. Send us an email at anycatholicconversation at gmail.com. That's anycatholicconversation at gmail.com. Frank, I love you a lot. Good job. We'll talk to you next time, okay? God bless. Thanks, Deacon.